Good morning. It has been a weekend already. How many of you guys have had five hours of sleep this weekend at least? All right, you guys are doing good. Uh, we had Madeline and Lehman's, I guess it's Madeline and Michael Lehman's wedding this weekend. Wow, what an adventure. Uh, the rain held off. It was super exciting. Uh, the DJ at the wedding reception was incredible. It was one of my few times getting to DJ weddings, but it was exciting. It was a good time. Um, this weekend was full of crazy things, though. I, Friday, I had to, I got to, I had to, I'll let you guys decide which one it is, ship my son off with the school to go on a band trip to Ohio. They get to compete, and then they get to go to an amusement park, and it was like 90% chance of rain the day they were in the music park, so I'm like, this is great. He's not going to get in any kind of trouble. He's just sitting with their umbrellas. I'll be safe. Um, but what's cool about it is he gets this opportunity to do that. And for me as a kid, I was never, that was not me. Leaving home for more than 15 minutes was weird. Uh, as a kid, I was more interested in things I could do at home, like in my yard, you know, video games, comic books, radio control cars. Uh, radio control cars were probably one of my favorite toys. Yes, there it is right there. Um, I always thought they were so cool. A buddy of mine, he was Mr. Bigger and Better, so I'd go over to his house, and he had a 57 Chevy radio control car, and it was so fast when we would take sharp turns, it would barrel roll. That's cool. When you can get a toy to barrel roll, you should applaud that. <laughs> there you go. Um, but sadly, as I, as I grew up, my love of radio control cars kind of dissipated, and it... it it dissipated until I became an apprentice electrician, and I had a guy in my class who built radio control cars, and then that love was rekindled, you know? And he didn't build, like, the raging chipmunk radio control cars you could find at Toys R Us. He built the full-size monster truck, gas-powered radio control cars. Any guys here today? Little Tim Allen response is welcome. Over 50 miles an hour. It was pretty exciting, but yeah, his were uh, gas-powered, but the only problem he found with them is they would get moving so fast that if he wasn't careful, they would get out of range of the controller, and they would stay with whatever command they had previously. So if you have a monster truck this big, and it's traveling at 50 miles an hour, and it has a full tank of gas and it's going in a straight line. It's either gonna go until it hits something and something is destroyed, or it's gonna keep going until you lose it. Yeah, you're never gonna find that thing if it takes off on you. Uh, the reason I'm mentioning this is we're continuing our series called The Breakfast of Champions, and I'm talking on the fruit of spirit known as self-control. Uh, our theme verse is James 3.2. Would you guys like to stand up and stretch your legs and read the word of God with me? All right. Let's go. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. All right, you may be seated. Now, for those of you that don't know, James is the brother of Jesus, and he is known as a straight shooter. Anybody that reads through the book of James probably will cringe at times because he doesn't sugarcoat things. And what he's saying here is we all stumble, but if we can control our tongue which is the most insubordinate body part, we can control the rest of our body as well. And I want to keep that in mind as we go along in this message. Uh, when you came in, you were instructed by the greeters to not look under your seat. Everybody remember that? Okay, good. Uh, you, it was also up on the screen. It was in the bulletin. I think, Tamara, you might have even mentioned it. Maybe, maybe not. Um, 
How many of you guys looked? Man, you were told not to look. You need this message today. (laughs) So what I want to do is I want to encourage the rest of you that didn't look to feel free and look under your seat right now. There's nothing there. I'm just kidding. A couple of you might find a gift card there, so that's your reward for not looking under your seat. But if you looked under your seat and you got a gift card, please pass it to your neighbor. (laughs) Did somebody have to pass it to their neighbor? How embarrassing. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, self-control is a funny thing. Week after week, you guys come in here with absolutely no desire to look under your seat. But when it's mentioned, it becomes a temptation. Resisting isn't so easy when what you're trying not to do is staring you in the face, or in this case, you're sitting on it. That's why I don't put Danielle's Christmas presents under the tree until Christmas Eve at 11.59 p.m. Uh, A popular technique for self-control is avoidance. Just avoid whatever it is you're struggling with. For example, alcohol, just avoid it. Uh, Smoking, stay away from cigarettes. If you struggle with your diet, avoid junk food and fast foods. It's that simple. You're welcome. Yeah, so if it was really that simple, then why is there a need for AA, the patch, and Weight Watchers? If you struggle with addiction, and most of you guys know me, I have a really addictive personality, uh, or if you lack self-control, avoidance isn't always the cure. It's a useful tool, but not necessarily the cure. Uh, Honestly, in my life, whenever I'm trying to avoid temptation, it becomes more of a game of how long can I avoid, well, let's just say oatmeal chocolate chip cookies from Potbellies. How long can I avoid those cookies before they eventually track me down? And if I just put a stumbling block out there for you, I apologize. We'll get through this message together. We need a plan for what happens when we can no longer avoid what it is we're trying to avoid. There is a famous experiment that was conducted in the 1960s. Uh, There's a Stanford professor named Walter Mischel, and he conducted a series of psychological studies, and what he used was uh, hundreds of kids, ages four and five. And when I first started reading the story, I was like, what is this story going to be about? Uh, But as I read, it was okay. So what they did is they brought these kids in, and they sat them down at a chair at a table, and they put a marshmallow on the table in front of them. And at this point, the... Uh, person conducting the experiment made him a deal. He put a marshmallow in front of him. They're sitting there, and he said, hey, you can eat this marshmallow because I'm going to leave the room. But if I come back and that marshmallow is still there, you can have two marshmallows. So the researchers would leave, and, you know, there's going to be that one kid. He's like, (laughs) and then he's got to sit there for another 14 minutes and 48 seconds until the guy comes back and he gets no other marshmallow. Now, some of the kids, man, they were really, they had it videotaped, and they're like wiggling in their seats, and they're trying all these different techniques. And I felt bad for some of these kids because it was like the 14th minute, and they broke. It was like, oh, you got your one marshmallow, man. You had a minute to go. And then there were some kids that just owned it. The teacher came, or the instructor came back and gave them two marshmallows. Um, so the choice was simple. One treat now or two treats later. And what was really interesting is they followed these kids as they grew up. Not in a creepy way, but, you know, just checking in with them. (laughs) And as they checked each child's progress in a number of areas, what they found was really surprising. The children who waited to receive the second marshmallow ended up having higher SAT scores, lower levels of substance abuse, lower likelihood of obesity, which is really weird, uh, 
better responses to stress, better social skills, as reported by their parents, and a generally better scores in a range of other uh, life measurements. And they even tracked these kids until they were into their 40s, and they just saw that these kids were successful in whatever capacity that they were measuring. So what I realized is you can blame all your problems on your four-year-old self's inability to control itself around marshmallows. That's what it all comes down to. Uh, let me ask you by a show of hands, how many of you guys would have eaten the first marshmallow? Thank you for your honesty. How many of you would have been like, I can wait for the second marshmallow? How many of you don't like marshmallows so you would have ruined the experiment? Okay. Uh, how many of you guys are like me and you would have realized that if there's one marshmallow here and there's another marshmallow somewhere else, that means there's a bag of marshmallows? So when the instructor leaves the room, you're going out and you're looking for that bag of marshmallows. Anybody? You're my people. <laughs> oh, man. But yeah, some of these kids, they just couldn't, they couldn't avoid the marshmallow. And that's life. We all come face to face with the marshmallow eventually, metaphorically. Uh, the first thing I want to take away from this experiment is the success of the kids that resisted the temptation. Those are the kids we're going to focus on. They made the decision to say no. And our brains work like other muscles in our body. And what you use becomes stronger. And what you don't use becomes weaker. Yeah. <laughs> Aces come strong. Uh, when we exercise restraint and don't give in to our urges, cravings, temptations, and impulses, that part of the brain becomes stronger. We become better at resisting. When we cave into those areas, it becomes easier and easier each time until we have no self-control and become a slave to our impulses. Doesn't that sound harsh? Yeah, I said it. Can't take it back. Um, yeah. Have you ever been around somebody that's a slave to their impulses? It's scary, isn't it? They have no filter. They don't think two steps ahead of themselves. And they have a tendency to blaze a trail of trouble wherever they go. So if self-control is an area that you struggle with, I want to encourage you to start with the small wins, okay? Don't try to go above and beyond just yet. I want you to start with some small things like smash your hand with a hammer. Find a new word to say. Just try it. See what happens. Uh, somebody cuts you off in traffic, you know, say a prayer for them. Just start to re retrain some of the ways that we think here. But I want you to start where you can to build strength in these response patterns, okay? Start, start with the easy things. And I will say good luck. Um, before we go any further, I want to take a look at Galatians 5, and 23. And this is where we get the term self-control from. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. So let's leave that up there for a minute. Uh, we've been talking about these two verses for a few weeks. And honestly, you know, I'm looking at this list, and it's kind of funny. You've got all these appetizing fruits up there, like love and peace and goodness. Those sound nice, right? Like, I like those. Pass the fruit. I'll take those. They're pretty. They remind me of, like, apples and bananas and oranges. Uh, but honestly, if I was comparing self-control to a fruit, like a real fruit, I'm going with the avocado. All the other fruits are fun, colorful, neat shapes. But then there's the avocado. Who decided it was okay to open that thing up and eat it? It's green. It's lumpy. It's unappealing. Get it? Unappealing? It's a fruit. I've been waiting all week to see how that one was going to go. 
rest of this message is icing on the cake. That was my, that was my moment. You guys ruined it for me. There's always second service. Never mind. Uh, <laughs> all right, but back to the avocado. Uh, once you give it a chance, you realize it's amazing. First of all, it's good for you. Second, it tastes good all by itself. Third, it goes great with everything. Can you say guacamole and bacon? Mm. Can you say amen? Mm. <laughs> but here's the thing. An avocado has good fats. Anytime you hear those two words together, good and fats, you pay attention. Because that is a rarity. You know something good's about to happen when there's good fats around. Uh, but an avocado has to be handled with care. If it's too hard, nobody wants it. If it's too soft, it's gross and it's no good. You ever done that? You cut into one, you're like, oh, I paid a dollar for this. Throw my dollar away. But man, when that avocado is just right, it feels like you won the lottery. It's magical. You're like, yes! Scoop it out with a spoon. I'm there right now. Uh, <laughs> But the word self-control in this verse means being restrained, holding oneself back from acting on evil desires and relationships. So it may not be as pretty as love, joy, and gentleness, but once you try it, the benefits become obvious. Self-control can save you time, money, relationships. It can save your health. And those are just a few things I'm naming. The key ingredient in guacamole is what? The avocado and the bacon. Um, you can leave right now. <laughs> no, for the longest time, I never had bacon in a guacamole, and a buddy of mine was like, here, try my guacamole. It's the best. And I'm like, what is this magic ingredient? And he goes, bacon, of course. So, so now that's my free tip. Self-control and bacon in your guacamole. All right, so anyways, avocado is a key ingredient in guacamole. What's the key ingredient in self-control? Consistent submission. Consistent submission is the key ingredient in self-control. And that sounds like an oxymoron, right? Like if I want control, I have to submit. Most of you guys are familiar with the story of David and Goliath, right? We've heard that before. I've shared it a number of times. I love it. Um, there was a period in time when David, it was after he defeated Goliath, the giant. And, but it was before he became the king of Israel. And during this time, he served the current king, who was Saul. Uh, but their relationship went sour real fast. Uh, Saul would throw spears at David. He just didn't like him. He's jealous. And so what eventually happened, though, is Saul would hunt David. Like, David had to get out of there because Saul's coming after him. He just wanted to kill him. And when you're the king, I guess that's okay. Uh, <laughs> but during this time, while he was being hunted by the king, he, uh, he wrote this in Psalms 141, verse 3. We got that up there? There it is. And, and I want you to think about this real quick. He is literally being hunted. There is a man with an army that wants to kill him, okay? So he's going to pray, which is a smart idea. But check out what he prays. This is, this is weird. Set a guard over my mouth, Lord. Keep watch over the door of my lips. I'll be honest. If I was praying this, I would have prayed like, Dear God, remove Saul's arms. Help him to go crazy. Tell him to leave me alone. There's a million things I would pray before, like, God, watch my mouth, please. Anybody with me on that? You got a long list, right? Uh, in the men's group, Band of Brothers, we have such a good time, but we were joking this past Thursday kind of about this topic, and we thought it'd be cool if somebody made a contraption that you could actually wear that would kind of work like the bleep button, 
So right before you're about to say something dumb or you shouldn't, it would like cover your mouth. Kind of like this verse is talking about, putting a gate over it. And we were thinking about it. I was like, man, that would come in handy if you're arguing with your wife or you're on the road and you got road rage and your kids are in the car. Just, I think pops right over your mouth. I'm serious. I, th- I think we should figure out how to do this. We call it the Well Word Watcher 5000. <laughs> you guys with me on that? Oh, I got a whole vision for it. We could sell it at Lowe's and Home Depot. And if we can get it out there before Father's Day, we will strike it rich. How many of you ladies would buy that for your husband? I got you something for Father's Day. I know that you're not my dad, but you earned this one. That's enough of that. Let's, let's talk about Bible. Come on. Uh, so back to the prayer. In essence, David is asking God for help in the department of submitting... But he's not just asking him to help him with his words in his mouth. He's saying to God, I'm, I'm submitting this to you. Not just you do this, God. I'm jumping in in this, in this deal. He's saying, God, take this because I'm probably going to do something I shouldn't with it. That's a smart guy. He knows his mouth before he even gets into something like this. How many of you guys have ever had your mouth get you in trouble? Don't put two up. <laughs> what I like about this verse is I love when the Old Testament and the New Testament line up. So what's going on here is really similar to what James was saying, what we read earlier. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. If we can control our mouth, the body's going to follow. So David prayed for self-control, and then he exercised it. He didn't just ask God to help But David partnered with God, and he did his part. So while King Saul was chasing David, uh, David and his men, they hid in a cave, and King Saul stopped in the cave to relieve himself. And he didn't know David was in there, and David's buddies that he was with, they were like, look, man, God just delivered him to you. Go kill him. Take him out. Let's end this madness. And David's like, no, that's the Lord's anointed. I can't do it. Wow. Wow. But he's still going to be naughty. He goes over and he sneaks up behind Saul and he cuts off some of his clothing. And Saul leaves and he's a good ways away. And David comes out of the cave and he's like, hey, look. And Saul looks and he's like, is that you, David? He's like, yeah. He's like, you see this? He's like, man, I could have killed you. I had you right there. I got a piece of your jacket. But I didn't kill you. I'm not your enemy. Really cool moment. There was another time when David was being hunted by Saul and his, uh, King Saul and his men, they were sleeping. And David and his men showed up, and they're like, look at this, man. They are out cold. Let's do it. We didn't do it last time. Let's finish this right now. You know, and his buddies are talking right. You know, how many of you guys would be like that? Like, David, let's end this right now so we can go back home and get you to be the king. And David's like, nope, I can't do it again. And he refused. And that was showing incredible self-control, knowing that God had a plan. But David starts off by submitting his mouth to God, and then his actions followed. Let me ask you, are you begging God for something but not doing your part? Are you asking for help with your finances, but you keep spending your money on dumb things like, I don't know, radio control cars? I don't know, you fill in the blank. What are you spending your money on? Are you asking God for help with your health, and you maintain a steady diet of cheese fries and milkshakes? Our actions need to support our requests. I was thinking about it. I was like, it looked pretty funny if I was up here and I was laying down on the ground and I asked my buddy Kyle, hey, Kyle, can you give me a hand? I'm, I'm down on the ground. And he comes over and he reaches out, but I'm laying on my arms. Kyle's like, give me your hand. I'm like, no, they're comfortable where they're at, but you got to help me up. 
Kyle's like, you got to give me your hand. You got to meet me halfway. And I'm like, no, Kyle, you have to help me. Otherwise, I'm not going to believe you exist anymore. I'll let you think on that one for a minute. But no, it would be ridiculous as me as his friend where I'm fully capable of reaching out and doing my part for him to help me. The reason I use David in this illustration this morning is because he submitted to God in the area he wanted control of. But he didn't always get it right. And that's what I like about David is he messed up too, so I can relate to him. Uh, there was a time later in his life where he was supposed to go to war and he didn't. Instead, he went up on the, on the roof and he was looking out over his kingdom and saw a lady bathing and showed no self-control. At that moment, you go back inside. But no, he investigated a little bit. And long story short, he ended up getting her pregnant and then having her husband killed. No self-control. Just because you got self-control right once in one area doesn't mean you'll get it always right. It's that consistent submission. Going back to that key ingredient, it's consistent submission. We have to exercise it to make the self-control response the natural response. We want to get to a place where we are naturally responding with self-control. And the opposite is true. Just because you don't always get it right doesn't mean you have to doesn't mean you have an excuse to give up trying to get it right. Don't be like, well, I got it wrong, so I'm always gonna get it wrong. Nope. I've been guilty of losing my cool at times. There was a time I was on a job and it was just I finally got back to work, you know, and I'm really trying to do a good job so I can stay working. And I was working on a closet and the carpenter came in, he's like, You gotta get out of here. And Man, it was just one of those days, and I'd had it. I had my ladder in there, had all my tools in there. I was like, oh, okay, fine. You want me out of the closet? Man, I chucked all my stuff out of the closet. I threw my hard hat. I whipped my tools across the floor. I know you guys can't see me doing that, but, man, I did. And this guy came up to me the next day. He goes, hey. I'm like, what's up? I was in a better mood at that point, until that point. He goes, don't you always wear them Christian T-shirts? It's like, you think about my brother. <laughs> It's like, yeah, yeah, I wear, I wear those Christian t-shirts. He was like, man, you probably shouldn't be acting like that then. I was like, you're completely right. Humbled me, like, right now. And I had to look at that situation and say, am I going to keep doing this, God, or am I going to cut it off? Am I going to keep being that guy, or am I going to stop now? And I made the decision to consistently submit to God, and I'm not saying that it's always easy, because you will have opportunities to test the things that you're wanting to grow in with God. But that's when you wake up every morning, you're like, all right, God, I'm checking it back in with you. I know this is an area. i got to check it back in with you. Um, so something I thought about is just because I feel the emotion of anger, no matter how I justify the feeling, it doesn't give me permission to act on it. Like that radio control car, have you ever lost control? Have you ever had your moment where you looked at back and you're like, man, I just completely lost it? Here's a question. How do I undo what I did while I was out of control? Whether it was cheating on a diet or a spouse or acting out against a coworker. I was thinking about it. Words, are like action, words and actions are like bullets. Once you decide to pull the trigger, you can't take back what the bullet does, but you're responsible for the damage. Uh, my cousin was killed by a drunk driver when I was a kid, so her elderly mom had to raise her three boys. Um, the guy that lost control, he can't undo that. It's one of those things where you wish you had that ability to just turn back time, three seconds, three minutes, but you, you can't. And, you know, something I didn't realize until I got older, 
he might have been a really cool guy. He might have been a good guy. Maybe he was out celebrating and he had one too many. But he made that decision, and the consequences remain. It doesn't matter who you are. When you do that damage, it's, it's done. It doesn't matter how good we are. And I thought to myself, would you rather spend time preventing damage or repairing damage? And I think that's what we're doing today is we're setting our minds to prevent that damage instead of leaving here messing up and then trying to repair damage. That's why the topic of self-control is so important. If we can make a change today that will allow us to prevent damage, we could spend a lot less time repairing damage. So where do we turn? In Mark chapter 5, we read about a guy that's he's completely out of control. Uh, he's, he's possessed. He can't control him. The people in the town can't control him. They've tried to bind him with chains, and he breaks the chains. He's completely nuts. Then Jesus shows up. Walks up to the guy, and he goes, hey, what's your name? <laughs> Jesus is so polite. The guy tells him, we're, we're legion. There's a lot of demons inside this guy. And Jesus tells him, you got to go. And when he does, the demons leave, and that man regains control. But the thing is, the, the people kept their space from this guy because someone without self-control is scary. I've seen it a lot. They leave a messy trail. Everyone sees this man as a monster, but Jesus looks deeper and he sees the man hurting inside, which is amazing vision. If you struggle with self-control in any area, let me tell you something. This is really important to understand. God cares. God cares about that. People can abandon you, but God hasn't. What we learn here is this guy was possessed by so many demons that the cure wasn't avoidance. There was no avoiding what was taking place in his life. He was way past that. The only thing that made a change is when he came face-to-face -face with Jesus. That's really important to hear. When he came face-to-face -face with Jesus. And I'll ask you that. Have you come face-to-face -face with Jesus? Are you struggling with something that you can't get control over? Get face-to-face -face with Jesus. I want to look at Jesus' life really quick so we can get an understanding of how he did with self-control. Matthew 6, verses 9 through 13. Jesus teaches his disciples to pray this way. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive our debts as we forgive, those, forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. You guys have heard that all before? That's good stuff. Jesus says clearly, your will be done and deliver us from evil. He's teaching us to pray, and he's telling us to say, your will be done and deliver us from evil. Words from Jesus, probably important. He's showing us that when we pray, our prayer should have consistent submission to God. Your will be done. Help me stay away from the things that would cause me to do things that I shouldn't do. Going back to the RC cars, that's my theme today, is we did an illustration here in the sanctuary for our leaders a while back, and we had three radio control cars, and we had an obstacle course. And, of course, there's a trick to everything we do. So two of the radio control cars had the exact same frequency, and one was separate. So we didn't tell them that, and we gave them the controller, and all they had to do was go around this obstacle course. Well, the person with their individual frequency, they're cruising along. They did great. They won. People that had the shared frequency, their cars were fighting. So I'm controlling one, and this guy's controlling one, and both cars are like, who do I listen to? Which controller is controlling me? And it was back and forth, and they were so 
mad. You should have seen how frustrated they were. It was hilarious. They were flipping out. They're like, my car's turning left. And they're like, I'm trying to turn my car left. And they were just going back and forth. And then we explained it later. But this is a great moment in well history. (laughs) But it leads me to this. Are you fighting for control only to lose it? Are you fighting so hard to have control of something, but you keep losing it? Stop it. Consistently submitting control to God has a really great benefit. He knows the plan. That helps a lot. When the men came to arrest Jesus and and Peter, he tried to cut off Malchus's ear because he wanted to prevent what was about to take place. He's like, you guys aren't aren't taking Jesus, but Jesus knows what has to happen. And it's in Matthew 26. Jesus says, put your sword back in its place. For all who draw the sword will die by the sword. Do you think I cannot call on my father and he will at once put at my disposal more than 12 legions of angels? But how then would the scriptures be fulfilled that say it must happen this way? We see Jesus has all power in this situation, yet he still submits to God's will. And he was like, God, your will is more important than my personal comfort, which is a scary thing to say out loud. In Luke twenty two forty two, 42, Jesus is getting ready. Uh, he's praying. He knows he's about to be arrested. He knows he's about to be tortured. And he knows he's about to be killed. But this is what he says in his prayer time with the Father. Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Jesus doesn't want to go through all that. Yet, not my will, but yours be done. We see in the life of Christ that there is a constant renewing of his submission to the Father. Over and over, Jesus submits his will to the Father's will. And that's why we see him able to take on the big challenges that he's able to take on and all the big temptations. Jesus went toe-to-toe with the devil himself on an empty stomach, but with a full spirit, and he won. That says something. Something to understand is when we submit our will to God, it's not like we lose ourselves and become a puppet. The fruit of self-control is empowerment that as we consistently submit to him, we have his strength to make good decisions and not be controlled by the things that used to make our decisions. Something I love hearing in scripture, the Bible says, whom the sun sets free is free indeed. Worship team's gonna come back up. Um, When Jesus came to the man with the demons, the demons didn't wanna leave. They wanted to stay right where they were. But the man inside that was tormented, he wanted freedom. And after he was set free, Jesus didn't stick around and control his every decision from there out. He wasn't enslaved to Jesus. Jesus didn't tell him what to do, when to do it. He gave him freedom to live his best life. This is what God wants to do in us. He wants to empower us to make good decisions and not be bound by the things that used to control us. This morning you might be all good, might not have any issues, and I think that's great. You might have full self-control, and I respect that. But if you don't, and there is something that has more control of you than you do of it, and it's not God, we need to do something about that. We're going to close the service in in time of worship. But I want you to think about that man when he came face-to-face with Jesus and what took place. If you feel like that's you, if there's so many things just fighting for control of you, or you're at a point where you're like, man, I'm such a such an impulsive person. I just, I think it, I do it, and it causes all kinds of problems. God doesn't want you to live that way. But what we want to do to fix that is we want to take this moment right now, and we're going to come face-to-face with Jesus. I'm going to invite you guys to, to stand. We're going to sing. 
Uh, we're just going to worship God. Uh, if you want to come up and pray at the altar, feel free to come up and do that. If you want to pray with the prayer team, the prayer team will be happy to do that. Uh, I'm going to close in prayer real quick, and then I'm going to turn it over to the team. But I want you guys to take that to heart. and Just take this moment to really think about that consistent submission to God. Ask yourself, is that what I'm doing? Am I doing it, God? What do I need to submit? What is owning me that is not pleasing to you? Heavenly Father, we thank you for this more, this morning, what you're doing here. We thank you for your presence in this place. Jesus, we just surrender this time to you, and we just ask that as we close out the service and worship, that you would be blessed, that you would be honored. Most importantly, Lord, that you'd begin to move in our hearts, begin to strengthen that area of self-control so we can commit our lives to you and to the things that you've called us to do. In Jesus' name, amen.